How many recognize that? <laughs> Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yes, today's uh, sermon will, you'll, you'll understand. So if you're wondering where I'm going with this. Hello, I'm Pastor David, uh, one of the pastors here at uh, Door Creek and one of the grandpas here at Door Creek. <laughs> My grandson. Now, I know all the pastors don't go showing their grand, but this is special because this is my first grandchild. So, yes. His name is Anias, and, uh, and we are, me and my wife, we are so in love with him. Yes, indeed. So, amen. So, uh, we're going to continue on our, um, our series, uh, Tales of the Kingdom. Tales of the Kingdom. The parables. Speaking of the parables of the kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, ah, God's kingdom. We live and we reign in God's kingdom. His kingdom is, is his domain, and he is the king, and he is dominant in his kingdom. And so we're going to look at parables that Jesus used uh, to teach about the truths of the kingdom of God. And again, parables are those truths that are illustrated through story, and they are illustrated and given to reveal truth to those who believe and to conceal truth from those who don't believe. Okay? So when he spoke his parables to the multitudes of people, those that believed, would hear the truth. Those that didn't believe would say, what is he talking about? I don't get that. You know, and sometimes the disciples had a little trouble understanding. They would say, well, Lord... What do you mean by that? Explain that. Tell us, tell us about it. And he would explain because he wanted to reveal that truth to them so that they would be able to fulfill um, the call and the purpose on their lives. And so we're going to be looking today at um, Luke chapter 10. And we're going to be looking at verse 25 through 37. And um, what I want us to look at is that this is the parable about the Good Samaritan. And as, as we know, the Good Samaritan is all about being a neighbor, right, as, um, as um, Mr. Rogers. So that's, that's why the, the music is kind of getting you in the, in the spirit of neighbor, being neighborly, all right? Won't you be my neighbor? Please, won't you be my neighbor, all right? So we're getting you in the spirit of that. So that's what we're going to be looking at. The Good Samaritan, as we all have heard that, or many of us have heard that parable so many times, that there, you know, there's agencies, there's counseling places, there are, you know, there are awards now that people are called, oh, that's the Good Samaritan, um, you know, the Good Samaritan Agency, and so on and so forth. But here, let's look into this, um, the truths that Jesus is teaching us about truly being neighborly. Um, how are we to be neighborly to strangers, um, to our enemies? How are we to be neighborly? How are we to live out? The mission of Christ. So we're going to look at these. And so if you can turn and we're going to read starting at 25. And, and before, I, before I get to 25, I want to read verse 21 because it's just good in context to see uh, how the Lord is, is, is leading us up to this verse 25. 21, you can look at that if you want. It's just a few verses above. It says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth 
because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned. And those were the ones that didn't believe because they were too wise to believe. They were too learned to believe. And you have revealed them to little children. Those are the, I guess, say the unlearned, or those that believed. They were innocent and said, you know, we believe it because you said it. You revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All right? So if it pleased the Father, he did it, and we are pleased that he did it. And then verse 23 through 24 says, Then he turned to his disciples and he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So aren't we blessed to be able to see and to hear the truth that Jesus is revealing to us through his word? What a blessing. So thank God for that. All right, so now we get to verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Wrong thing to do. <laughs> Wrong thing to do. Never test Jesus because when you think you're testing him, he's going to turn the table. And you're really the one being tested. On occasion, and this is an occasion, there were many occasions that happened um, prior to this. Jesus, remember Jesus sent out the 12, he sent out 72, he fed 5,000, he healed a demon-possessed man, the tra transfiguration, and he faced opposition in Samaritan. So he did all these things, went through all of these things. And so now here on this occasion, an expert in the law stood up to try to test Jesus, to trap him. And he said, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Not, you know, what must I do? Not what must I be, but what must I do? I think I can earn this eternal life. I can, I can get this eternal life if I do certain things. And Jesus said, what's written in the law? Expert, you know, Jesus saying, tell me what's, you're an expert of law, tell me what's written. He replied, Jesus replied, how do you read it? And this is what the man said. Love your Lord God, love the Lord God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Oh, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this love your neighbor as yourself doesn't do any good if you don't love yourself. Okay? So if you don't love yourself, that's the first thing you have to get right. We have to, we have to love ourselves if we want to love our neighbor as ourselves. So Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do this. And you will live. But mm, he wanted to justify himself. See, that but will always get you in trouble when you're trying to justify. You know, get, get the but out the way. You, you want to justify yourself. You want to justify that you're, you're all right. You're doing the things. I know I'm an expert of the law. I'm doing these things. Listen, tell me, what is, how can I get this eternal life? Listen, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus. He pushed it. He said, who is my neighbor? First of all, it was him, not Jesus, that said, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Now, so he's asking Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with this story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's about 17 miles of road here from Jerusalem to Jericho, notoriously known to be a, a road of danger. He was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, 
I love the way he put it. It says this priest happened to be going down the same road. Many times there aren't things that just happen in our lives. We are put in situations. God will put us many times in situations where we have an opportunity to live out the mission of Christ as a good neighbor. So he went to the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, or he had compassion for him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, very expensive things. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. And this is what he said. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you might incur. Any extra expense that you might have. Which of these three, Jesus asked, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. <laughs> That's easy. Jesus said, the hard part is, go and do likewise. It's our challenge. Go and do likewise. So, we have a priest, Jewish priest, coming down from Jerusalem, just maybe finishing up his priestly duties. You know, when you finish up your priestly duties or you finish up your Sunday church duties, you're feeling pretty good, aren't you? When you leave here today after church, you're going to be, y'all, you know, we're going to be feeling, I went to church today, I feel pretty good. I, just, I was encouraged by the word and by the worship, and I just want to do God's will. So the priest, you would think, feeling pretty good about himself, feeling good about his, his walk. Until he happens to see this man lying on the road, half dead and stripped naked. Priest, his immediate response is probably, hmm, I feel good, but not that good. Uh, if he's lying there naked and half dead, I never know. I mean, I don't know how long it's been. Maybe those robbers are still lying around. Maybe they didn't get enough out of him and they're waiting for the next sucker to come. Could be me. So I'm not going to get involved. I'm going to go around the other way. How many times in our life have we went around the other way? How many times have we felt compelled by God to do something, to help someone? And we went the other way. That feeling sometimes doesn't last a long time, does it? You fulfilled your duty, now you feel pretty good, but now you come to a situation where someone is in need. But there are things that might hinder us. One, I'm afraid for my own life. What might happen to me? The robbers could be lingering and waiting for me to come. And they might rob me too. So I'm not going to get involved with this. That's the church man. The Levite, the assistant in the temple, who watches over the temple, comes and he sees the same thing. <clears throat> And he reacts the same way. He goes around the other way. 
Not wanting to get involved. This is not my business. Uh, you know, I got places to go. I got things to do. I got people to see. You know, I got a life to live. Um, I'm busy. Um, I, don't, I don't have time for this. Um, every time I, you know, come to a situation that somebody's in need, it's always an inconvenience for me. Listen, I don't have time for it. <clears throat> Goes the other way. Then a Samaritan who assumed this man is Jewish that was robbed. <clears throat> he comes by and he sees the man lying there. Beaten, bloody. He could think the same things as the priest and the Levite. He could think, well, the robbers might be still hanging around here. <clears throat> you know, they might want to take advantage of me. Okay? And, and, it's, and it's ironic, <clears throat> excuse me, that is, uh, there's something I was reading that says that the Samaritans were, were usually the perpetrators. <laughs> were usually the ones that were robbing people. They were the ones that were doing the things. So here's the Samaritan coming and he sees the man and he doesn't let fear. He doesn't let race. He doesn't let the difference that he and the man that's lying there fear. He doesn't let that fear deter him from helping. He is immediately moved with compassion. He has pity on the man and he goes to his aid to help him. He's not thinking about or he's not letting the outside things control his reactions. Yes, I could be putting myself in danger. Yes, I'm not supposed to have any dealings with this. What if I get caught? They're a different race. They're a different political party. Different this, different that. But love compels me to help. Love moves me. Compassion makes me go and help this person who is in need. Perfect love casts out fear. When you love like God loved, God is love and love is God. And when you love like God loves, you are compelled to help. Aren't you? Yes. It's an easy question. And they replied, you're compelled Something moves you. Even though you might not have all the answers, you might not have all the resources, you might be afraid for your life, but love conquers that. Love says do the right thing. You have the resources. You're here. No one else is here. Oh, it's easy to say, well, uh-uh, I'll pray for you. You know, you, you, you'll be all right. You know, like James says, you know, if you have the means to help, help. Don't say pray for him. If I'm hungry, feed me. Don't get all deep and say, ooh, hallelujah, bless you. Now may God send manna from heaven. If you have the means to be a blessing, be a blessing. Get involved. Get involved. So the man comes and he pours oil and he pours his wine into the wounds of the wounded man and he bandages him up and then he puts him on his own donkey and he, and, he, and he walks to the inn, and he leaves him with the innkeeper, and he takes out what he has and says, here, use this to take care of him. And when I return, if there's any extra expense that you have, I will reimburse you for that. 
Now, this man is going the extra mile. He could have just left him at the innkeeper and say, call the authorities for someone to come. Find out who this man's family is. Find out who he belongs to. But he took the responsibilities to see the whole thing through. He says, and if there is anything that you have to go over, I'll be back and I will reimburse you. Because this, I am moved by compassion to help this man out. He has no responsibility to this man. He doesn't know him. He's a stranger. He's of a different race. But love conquers all. Love makes me become a good neighbor. Now, the man asked Jesus the question, who is my neighbor, looking for the answer in, a, in more in a noun form, who is, who is my neighbor? But when we see the answer and we see the discussion and hear the parable, we see Jesus really giving us more of an adjective that this person is neighborly. The good Samaritan was neighborly. When we think about a neighbor, you think about somebody that lives next door to you, close to you, close vicinity. They're, they're, you know, their proximity is right over there and right over here. But Jesus really wants us to be the neighbor. He wants us. The neighbor is the one who helps. We always look, I always looked at this as he's talking about the neighbor helping the one that's in need. But it's really the benefactor, not the beneficiary. We have the power. We have the opportunity when God moves us, when God places someone in our path, he places them in our lives, and he has given us the resources to help. We are to be neighborly. We are to help them. We are to look beyond circumstances, look beyond what we don't have, look beyond our fear, look beyond our questions, and heed to the call of God's love and help those who are in need. Well, if the priest didn't help and the Levite didn't help, what would the good Samaritan have any? What, what, why should he even help? It didn't even matter that he was a Samaritan. He forgot about who he was. His focus was on that man that needed him. His help. That man who lied there naked, destitute, and half dead. Basically unconscious. He needed my help. I'm here now. God put me here. God placed me here for such a time as this. I'm here now. I can't put it off and say, well, somebody else will, will help. Somebody that's got more resources. Somebody that looks like him. Somebody that talks like him. No, God put you there. You are there now. How will you respond? Will you get involved? Will you be moved with compassion? Will you allow God's love to overcome anything that, that's preventing you or stopping you or trying to justify you not getting involved? Won't you be my neighbor? Please, won't you be my neighbor? Live out the neighborly characteristics of bandaging and pouring oil and pouring wine. Just imagine if the man had a family to go home to. And he goes home and all his wine and his oil is gone, used up. And Missy says, his wife says, honey, when you left here, you had oil and you had wine. You come home, where is it? 
Well, you see, it was like this. There was a man on that road to Jericho that needed help, and I used our wine and I used our oil to, to help him out. And I even let him ride on our donkey. Now, riding on a donkey, having a donkey in the first place means that this man was of some kind of esteem. He, he had, you know, he had deep resources or something. They said those who walked usually didn't, didn't have much resources. So he had a donkey. So this was a well-off, this was a pretty well-off man. So here he is risking what he has to help someone else. And now it leaves him without. And then he even digs deeper. <laughs> he even digs deeper. He could have just stopped with the wine, the oil, and the donkey. Right? He could have just stopped with that. But he got to the end and he said, let me dig it a little deeper. Here's two days wages and please take care of him. And I have good credit. I have a good name. If there's anything more, I will be back and I will repay you. He's still taking on the responsibility of helping this man, a complete stranger. But he's moved by the love of God. Hallelujah. He's moved by God's compassion that it doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter that he's different than me. I'm moved and I want to get involved. Will we respond like that? When the Holy Spirit is moving us, when the Holy Spirit is saying, it's your time. The spotlight is on you. You have the resources. You're here now. What are you going to do? Hallelujah. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Will you justify? Will you say, I don't have time? I'm in a hurry. I got to get here. I got to get there. My wife's waiting for me. She says, I'm always late. <laughs> I got to get to where I'm going. I don't have time to get involved with this. Listen, God appointed you. God put you there. God wants you to serve him. God wants you to live out his mission. And his mission is that he loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world, he gave everything he had. He gave his only begotten son. He wants you to give. And you might think, why am I in this place? Why am I in this situation? Why am I here? God put you there. God put you there. Light bulb goes on, right? God put you there for you to help. And you know what the good thing about God? He gives you resources. Huh? People, you are resources. You're not the source. God's the source. You're the resource. Okay? A resource is nothing without the source. So if you obey God and want to use your resources, your, your, your gifts and the resources that God has given you, then the source will make sure the resource has sources to give. Right? If God knows you're a giver, you're not stingy with what you have, he's going to give you more. But if you're stingy, you want to hold on to it, why would he want to give you more? He wants the light to shine. He wants you to touch more people. He wants you to be a witness to others. So he's going to make sure that, as, as, as he says his word, he, if, he, if he loads us daily with benefits so that we can you know, go out and we can bless others with it, he doesn't do it for us just to sit on them. He didn't bring us out of darkness just to enjoy the light by ourselves. He brought us out of darkness so that we could help others find that light. And that light is Jesus. 
And we are to be a light to, the, to a dark world, right? Not just a light to other lights. Lights to other lights, it gets too bright. Everybody walk around like this. But a light does its best work when it's in the midst of darkness. So when you respond and compelled and move with compassion, you are carrying the mission of Jesus Christ. And you are living as a light in a dark world. The Samaritan, the ones that are put down by the Jews, that were called half-breeds, that were outcasts. He didn't care what they called him. He didn't care how bad the relationships were historically. All he knew is that he saw another human in need, and he was there to help, and he had the resources to help. And he did. He answered the move, the call, the compelling. He answered that call. Will you answer that call? Will you answer? Will you say yes? An astounding yes. As Jesus did in verse 21, he says, yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Yes. As the Samaritan man gathered his thoughts, realizing now he had a responsibility, and he made a promise. <laughs> and that promise was he had to trust it. First of all, he had to trust the innkeeper, right? Because he said, if you spend anything over, uh, I'll reimburse you. And in today's society, we're not as trusting, are we? We don't pick up strangers on the highway that are hitchhiking, going to Vegas, going <laughs> to get a ride to Nebraska, you know. We don't pick up. We, we say no because we run a whole story and a whole scenario through our head. I pick this man up, we'll get somewhere, and he'll stab me to death. <laughs> we run that whole story through our head, and then what happens? Fear kicks in, and we say, oh. I don't even see him. Now, I'm not saying that everyone who is hitchhiking or everyone who, who's in need is that you got to do it. You got to do it. The difference is you have to be moved. You have to be compelled by the Holy Spirit. God will put it in your heart. He will move you. He will move you. And I believe that you know this is not by accident. God put me here for a reason. I met this person for a reason. This person crossed my path for a reason. And I, there's, there's something here. Well, you know, you might be the, you might be the one that they, they're looking at you as, I need to help you. But nothing, there's nothing we can do in our own power. We can only do it in the power of God. We can only do it in the power of God. And that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so there was, there was a story about um, that one of um, the members shared with us uh, about a woman who 
uh, had two kids, two small kids, and they were walking around in the mall, shopping, doing their thing, probably on a real busy schedule with two kids, probably like, can't wait to get home. And she saw a 14-year-old girl crying, just sobbing, just crying and um, just in pain, emotionally. And she saw and she thought, oh, I don't know, if, I don't think I want to get involved with this. You know, there's probably not much I can do. Those are the first thoughts that came through her mind. I don't want to get involved. This is not my business. But she changed her mind and she went over and she began to talk with the girl and comfort her and, you know, just let her, you know, make her feel like someone was there with her and for her. And then the girl opened up and began to share with the woman and said, you know, I'm not supposed to be talking to anyone. Um, I got some people who are watching me right now. And, um, you know, I, you better, you know, you better, you better go move on because, you know, this is dangerous. This is what the situation was dangerous. Well, the woman said, well, let me call the authorities. She called the authorities. Authorities came and it came to find out that there were some men who were watching her so they could bring her into some kind of sex trafficking. And she was scared for her life. She was wounded, basically. She was, she was robbed. She was stripped down. She was half dead. She, I mean, you know, figuratively and emotionally, she was on that road. And this woman with her two children, she didn't think about, well, this could be dangerous for my kids. She thought about, I moved to help this young girl. And she was rescued from being brought into sex trafficking because a woman responded by her compelling. She responded by the love that told her to get involved. You just don't know who you are rescuing from a bad place that they've been beaten down verbally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and God puts you in their life. God puts them in your life. And you're feeling it. You're full of the Spirit. He says, I know there's something for me to do for them. And you don't look at excuses. You just answer the call. And you let God work. You let God do his work through you. See, God just needs a vessel. He, don't, he doesn't need your expertise. He doesn't need your counseling. He doesn't need your advice. He doesn't need your yay or nay. God just says, be a vessel so I can work through you. Say yes so I can work through you. The woman did. And that girl was saved from that situation. Then it's all about us living what we preach and what we teach and what we testify, what we sing and worship, what we study about. Do we live out our sermons? Everybody has a sermon. It's not just for the teaching team and the preachers. Everybody has a sermon. That sermon is a message to someone else to get to know Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Savior, who died for our sins, who rose again, and who offers salvation to all that would believe. That's the sermon. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. We all have that. So live out 
Be a living sermon. Be a billboard for Jesus. And wear it. There was a church that was looking for a new pastor. You might have heard this story. We're looking for a new pastor to replace a good pastor that they had. And they had three candidates, and they all were strong. They all were very good, good teachers, good leaders. And they were, they were stuck between which one should we hire. Maybe a third one at one, another third one at the other, and another third said, we want this one. So they were like, we're stuck. Well, they said, I know what we'll do. We'll, we'll invite them all in for a final sermon. And our subject will be the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10. So they sent them all and said, this will be your subject. This will be your, your, your sermon that you're going to preach on, Luke chapter 10. And so they said, well, what we're going to do here, we're going to see, you know, they're trusting in God to, to lead them to the right candidate. So the first preacher comes in, and there, there's this man in need somewhere near the church in his path, and he's broken down, he's destitute, he's hungry, he has nothing, and he just needs someone to take time out to love him. To show him compassion. And the preacher, the candidate, comes and he sees him. And he says, oh, man, this guy's in need. He said, but oh, it's 9, 9.45. I can, church starts at 10. I got to get to church. I got to go and preach this sermon about the Good Samaritan. <laughs> God bless you. And he goes, he makes it to church in time, preaches a sermon, and, you know, and all of that. And the second candidate comes, the same thing. You put a broken down person, hungry, destitute. And this is another Sunday, and they say, and he comes and he observes, takes inventory. Says, wow, he's in real bad shape. This would take me hours to help him through this. He said, but... I don't want to disappoint my church. I don't know, you know, I'm trying to get a job. Um, man, Lord, you know, send somebody to help him, you know, because I'm, I'm going to do your work, Lord. And there's somebody else that's called to do this kind of work, you know. And he left him, went on, preached the sermon. The good Samaritan, be a neighbor, help those in need. And the third candidate came, same scenario, put a person there before him. Broken down, just destitute. And this third candidate says, Oh, looks at him, observes, gets down with him, helps him. He looks at his time, watch. Oh, it's getting close to service time. Oh, man, if I don't show up and preach this sermon, I'm certainly not going get, to get the job, and I really need this job. But something compelled him to stay with this man, to help him to see him through, to comfort him. So he did. He did that. Ch church time came and went. He never made it to the church. Never made it to preach the sermons. I was like, I just served myself out of a job. That's what always happens when you're trying to help people. They make you miss your own stuff. <laughs> Somebody's always in need. What about me? What about my needs? 
get mad after the fact. But this guy didn't. He didn't. He would. So later on, he calls him, apologizes to the church. I'm so sorry I didn't make it. Um, you know, he maybe, maybe gave a reason. I don't know. So they call the three candidates in. They talk to them all, and they tell the first candidate, oh, you preached a very powerful sermon. Really, man, we, <laughs> wow. I think this is my, might have been the best teaching sermon you've ever taught. They said, but we got one problem. He said, what was that? I didn't do a long enough offering. What was, what was that? <laughs> he said, no, you see, um, we loved all three of you so much that we said we're going to let God, you know, get, show us who is the real person, the candidate that we should accept. He said, you know, on your way to church, we placed one of our trustee members um, right there by the church that was, you probably remember, it was broken down. He was, like, had blood on him. He was poor, destitute, and, you know, he didn't, you know, he needed help. And you stopped, and you, you know, observed and looked at everything. But he said, you looked at your watch, and you said, oh, I, I got I to get to church. And, and you went, and you preached the sermon. And they said the same thing to the second candidate. And then the third candidate said, you know, you're preaching, you know, you never showed up. He said, and that's a no-no. You never not show up for an interview. You're certainly not going to get the job. You know, you just you. They said, but your interview, your, your, your sermon didn't happen in our pulpit. <laughs> it happened on the street. <laughs> Some of the best sermons happened in your living room, happened in your life groups. Happened at the soup kitchens. Happened in your neighborhoods. The best sermons happen at boomerangs. Your best sermons. It's not what you do in the pulpit. They said, you are our candidate because our trustee member, we sat there and he said, you took all the time that you needed and you didn't worry about missing the church. You were more worried about giving assistance to someone in need. You are the one we want. Wow. Without preaching in the pulpit, he preached on the street in real life. He preached in his walk. He preached in his talk. He showed the example of God's undying, unfailing, unending love. God's love that goes beyond racial boundaries, political boundaries, educational, economical boundaries. God's love that can break through any wall. God's love that will kick down a wall, that will chase you. Hallelujah. God's love. That will climb a mountain. God's love. His reckless love. God's love. And this is what God wants in his people. Being neighborly to the stranger. Being neighborly to your enemies. Being neighborly to those that are different than you. It doesn't matter. I'm here to serve God. And in serving God, that means I got to serve people. I can't, I can't love God and not love my brothers and sisters. I've never seen God. 
But I see you every day. You know, people, humans. Not you, but, you know. You can't jump over your neighbors. You can't jump over humans, your brothers and sisters. You can't jump over people and get to God. Just like Jesus said, you can't go to God. You have to come through me. So to serve Christ, you got to serve people. You are Christ's hands, his feet, his ears, his shoulders. We are the church. And Door Creek, we are blessed as you ponder these things. When you are faced with the situation that God has led you to, will you respond by choosing to get involved? Will you ignore that there are differences? And will you use your resources to be a help? And it's not just monetary resources, it's people resources, it's material resources, it's tutoring, helping, whatever the resource that God has given you. Will you use that resource? God's the source, you're the resource. Will you use that? We are blessed here at Door Creek because our values are founded on that. One of our values is we to live, be a joyful witness, sharing and living the good news. Not the fake news, but the good news. Living and sharing the good news. That's getting involved. The Samaritan shared the good news or shared and living it because he got involved. One of our other values is compassionate service, humbly extending his compassion to those in need. He ignored the differences and he humbly extended. Extended means to go beyond yourself. Go beyond your comfort. Go beyond your own race. Go beyond your own inner circle. Extend. Like we have extended families. Okay? They ain't blood. But they extended family. They come around. They come to their family reunion. They haven't been invited, but they come. <laughs> they show up. They, that's my cousin. Not really, but that's my cousin. You know, extended family. Love goes beyond your immediate. It goes extended. So we humbly do that. And the last, contagious generosity, excelling in God's grace of giving. Use your resources to help and to be a blessing to someone else. So how do I go and do likewise? Like a good neighbor. Christian. Believers, door creakers, we've got to be there. When God calls us, we've got to answer his call. So let's be neighborly. Let's do the work in the will of God. Amen. As God blesses us and as we continue to seek God and be moved by God, maybe you haven't quite gotten into that place where you're believing God like that. I want to pray. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you today for your loving grace and your loving mercy. Thank you for your compelling love, for your reckless love. Thank you for your undying and unfailing love. Holy Spirit, thank you for grabbing our hearts, living and dwelling in us, and leading us and directing us in what we should do. Well, today, Lord, if there's anyone who has not been found or Become a devoted follower of you. We ask God to forgive us for our sins. And we believe that Jesus is the son of God. He died for our sins. He rose for our life. 
we can be followers of Jesus Christ so we can live out the mission of Jesus Christ. You can, you can pray that anywhere. It doesn't have to be in here in the church. You can be at home and community, wherever you are. We pray that you will accept. And in Jesus' precious name.